1: Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
2: The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick.
1: (laughs) Dangerous mid-morning debate with the Great Dictator.
2: The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
3: Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham as we take another step closer today to finding a new Prime Minister in the second ballot of Tory MPs in Westminster this very afternoon. By six o'clock, we should know who is most likely to stand up against Boris Johnson. Will it be rock and roll Remainer, Rory Stewart? Will it be jumping Jezza? Or could Go, Go, Go Go make a late change? It seems that Saj has fallen by the wayside, along with Robot Raab, who hasn't floated anyone's boat whatsoever. The most disturbing news that came in late yesterday was that Theresa May's closest ally, David Lington, was backing Romaina Rory, with the inference that the former Prime Minister would be doing the same, yet more evidence that she really never wanted to leave the European Union after all. We'll be checking in with we'll talk radio political editor Ross Kempsell throughout the show, uh, and of course we'll be talking to all manner uh, of pundits as well, and politicians, and of course you. 03444991000. First though, uh, we're going to get stuck into education, as thousands of children up and down the country prepare to take their exams, GCSEs and otherwise, because we are finally confronting the truth that that has for so long been unspoken and that truth is this two-thirds of disadvantaged children in this country are actually white british and everyone knows why that is we have hundreds of communities that have been ignored abandoned and frankly forgotten about as local councils and national governments have chosen instead to champion ethnic minorities and diversity in an effort to win brownie points and money for their causes thankfully education secretary damien hines has noticed and is going to do something about it he made a very interesting speech yesterday and we're going to be examining it and finding out precisely what it is all about. 0344 499 1000 will also keep you uh, abreast of developments in the arrest of Michel Platini, the former head of UEFA, the former French national football captain of course, a great footballer, a great football administrator And uh, at his time. He's been arrested over corruption claims about the awarding of the 2022 World Cup to Qatar. Uh, We'll find out later whether or not there's likely to be any more arrests and precisely what is going on. Coming up later on as well, we'll find out how can heat your home with cheese, and just how dogs manage to manufacture their puppy eyes expression to make us love them even more than we already do. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham
2: on Talk Radio.
3: Now, front page of Daily Telegraph this morning, mystery of Stewart's past links with MI6. It's not much of a mystery, to be honest, because Rory Stewart's father was in MI6 uh, and had quite a a firm grasp of running MI6 for quite some time. Rory Stewart, of course, was in the armed forces uh, as well. Uh, famously, he went to Afghanistan. He smoked opium, but it didn't have any effect on him. Uh, he ran into a woman who he employed uh, with her husband in his charity. Uh, strangely enough, there's a bit of a mystery because he ended up walking away with her and her husband's not very happy. Lots of things about Rory Stewart are quite interesting, quite colourful, but he's not prime ministerial material, surely. Let's talk to Tobias Elwood, Conservative MP for Bournemouth East. Perhaps he can convince me uh, of, of something different. Tobias, a very good morning to you. Well, good morning. I'm not sure
4: you can be convinced. I mean, you've got yourself into a whirlwind there, or reasons why you can't uh, support somebody. What I see is our party, our party is not in a good place. Just look at all the uh, election results that we've had recently, look at the polls. And what we've seen here is somebody that's actually electrified this campaign, talked about issues other than Brexit, but including Brexit, and allowed us to speak beyond our own echo chamber. This has been quite exciting and actually liberating in a way to say, here is somebody that actually can be, uh, can stand up and challenge us, can actually be that sparring partner um, that can raise the bar of, and, and elevate this so we can look to the nation and say, here we are, road testing and actually uh, uh, showing t- policies that could excite the nation and allow us to continue uh, to earn the right to be number 10.
3: Well, what I would say to you, Tobias, is the reason the, reason the Tory Party is in the mess that it is in is because it's failed single-handedly to deliver Brexit. And one of the reasons it's failed to deliver Brexit is because Theresa May kept presenting the same old deal, dressed up as a new deal, three separate times. Rory Stewart wants to deliver it a fourth time, so I don't really see what's new about that. Right. I agree with the first
4: part. I disagree with the second part. The first part, you're absolutely right. If we do not somehow resolve Brexit this autumn... Our party will die. It's actually suffocating our party. It's suffocating British politics as well. People are so fed up that we've not resolved this three years almost after the referendum. So I agree with you on that point. The second piece is to do with the actual process itself. It comes in two parts. The first is the divorce. How do you separate yourself from the EU? The second piece is the future relationship. Now, actually, all parties and in Boris, everybody has actually voted to support the withdrawal agreement, the piece that has been difficult has been the Northern Ireland backstop. Where people differ is what happens next. What is our future trading relationship? And what's happened is that people couldn't agree where Theresa May wanted to go with that future trading relationship, so they didn't support part one. They didn't support the actual divorce proceedings. What I hope we've learned, if anything, because we got, absolutely got you know uh, trounced in the euro elections and the local elections, is that we must come together and unite around a workable compromise that will actually honour the referendum result but leave us with a working relationship with Europe. And that means avoiding no deal because no deal is not a solution for Britain. It's actually dangerous. It would damage our reputation. It would damage uh, the prospects of Britain's economy. It would actually see... How do you know that? Well, because all the analysis has actually been done um, right across the piece, independent as well as government, say that actually we would take a hit. The question is how big that hit is. And I'm quite prepared to say... Britain is a strong economy, fifth in the world and so far, that in the longevity, we could possibly recover. But it's a bit like saying we deserve rightly to be in the premier league of, uh, in, in, in countries doing trade. And instead, we go outside, put some goalposts up using our shirts and play a kick around. It really is taking us to a very base level of trade. And nobody in the world really does that. It's all to do with trade relationships and moving it. So but you would withdraw- rather
3: stay in, a, in an arrangement for trade in which we have no power, uh, but that we are dictated to by the European Union? That's not true. We would not have well, no power Well, that's Theresa whatsoever. May's deal. That's her deal.
4: No, no, it's not, because she's not even discovered. That's the whole point. You're, the mistake you're making is to look at the withdrawal agreement, which only talks about how we depart. So, for example... Medical, um, uh, medical uh, records being recognized on both sides or educational qualifications being recognized on both sides. Citizens' rights being recognized on both sides. Movement of goods recognized on both sides. That's actually allowing us to continue working. Okay? The second piece is, okay, how do we then trade in the future for that? And that's the big question, Marcus, how close that relationship is. Do you know what? I'm going to stop you here, Tobias.
3: I'm going to stop you here because we've been arguing this point, right, for three years. Okay, we are nowhere nearer the point of agreement. So there is no point in you trying to convince me of something which you are hopeful of, as against me, who I think actually a no-deal Brexit is no different in a way from a a deal with, with, with the European Union, because in the end, a lot of it is still about negotiation. Tell me more about why Rory Stewart is different from Theresa May.
4: I, I, no, I can't do that because you're saying you support no deal. So you need to tell me how no deal will benefit... Britain. Well, what I'm saying okay, to you make is... Make the
3: case to me. Persuade me well, that you think no deal I is... I could do, but, you know, the, the listeners are bored, stiff listening to people trying to persuade each other who don't now, agree about this. It's really
4: important this. that we understand the
3: consequences
4: of no deal. All right, let me no tell you this Well, you asked me to explain it to you, so
3: let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, then you can come back to me. Here's the point. If you have a deal of some kind, it will not be finite, will it? It will not cover absolutely everything. So, therefore, you will still have to negotiate parts of that as you go. For me, all a no-deal means is that you leave the European Union and then you start negotiating. And it's as simple as that. And there are plenty of people who will tell you that that will not cause a problem, including uh, including uh, the guys that run the ports in Calais.
4: Yes, of course, and they want business. What will the EU do, which is what they say they'd do, if we go to no deal? What would you do with the 39000000000 billion? You'd hang on to that? Yeah, why not? Right. So, OK, because the first thing that the EU would do is not actually engage in any future discussions about a relationship. Of course they would. Uh, in... They
3: said so, officially. Oh, right. And they don't, they don't ever take negotiating positions and then change them.
4: No, no, no. The reason why they won't is because until they will take us to court, because we've already legally said we would pay £39 billion. Pounds. So they won't negotiate, even in good faith, what the future relationship it will be until we sorted the money issue out. And whilst that ha- happens, then the financial services of which we could arguably say we're the strongest in the world would then suffer. Pharmaceuticals would suffer. Uh, creative industries would suffer. Everything would suffer because you know 50 of our trade continues. Most in so pharmaceuticals
3: are now manufactured in India and the United States of America. Okay, I'm sorry, the I've, two had of the that, I've had that. I've
4: f- the that. They may be manufactured there because of the pricing. But the companies, the best companies in the world that are doing the investigations and the research are here. Yeah, but Tobias, we'll we'll, we'll get nowhere with this. You're here to tell me, hang on, you're here to tell me why. When it comes to life sciences, when it comes to military uh, policing or indeed intelligence, when it comes to oil and gas, we lead the world. We are European or global leaders, but that will suffer if we go to no deal. How will it suffer if we're still in
3: NATO, for example? How is that going to be a problem?
4: Because we lose the threat picture. We're part of 40 organisations or initiatives across Europe that allow us to understand the movement of danger. As soon as we go to no deal, we automatically, automatically... That's lose rubbish. Sight that of is that. nonsense.
3: Every single military person I speak to says that that is completely the opposite case.
4: I'm telling you that it is, and I work in the Ministry of Defence. That is the case, that how it works. Really? That is what will actually happen. Why don't you tell me, okay. Tobias, instead of the arguing Europeans about the same... Orange. This is why the your European party is going orange orange down the, the toilet, Tobias. Away.
3: This is why right. your party is not being voted for, because all you do is talk in, in, in circles and ever-decreasing circles about what a terrible thing it will be if we leave the European Union. The people no, voted no, no, to no, leave, wrong. so wrong, just wrong, wrong, get on with
4: wrong, it. Wrong, 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 okay? I did not say we shouldn't leave the European Union. I make it 100% clear that we should leave the European Union. I'm with you on that. Did you vote I to leave in the referendum? Are you? Please, a, let me f- please
3: is, hold what? on to your seat and let me finish my... I'm holding on to my seat. seat. There's no need to be rude, to Bias. Did you vote to leave? I'm not being leave? rude. I'm just making Did the Did you case. vote is to leave in the referendum? We, it doesn't matter
5: no, what No, it does matter. Did respect,
4: you? It. Yes, it does. Again, let me finish the sentence. So you didn't vote explain. to leave then? I'll explain. Go on. I voted three times to leave the European Union. I want to see us leave the European Union and honour the referendum. The fact that people like yourselves continue to go back... What do you mean people like yourselves? What do you mean by that? Because you're going back and labelling me and actually... I'm asking you which way you voted, Because of what I did. I'm asking you which way you voted. Many of my colleagues, and this is recognised right across the piece and indeed in Parliament, everybody recognises that the best thing for Britain is to honour the referendum and leave the European Union. Where you and I disagree is on how we leave. I want a constructive relationship with Europe. I do not want to speak a reputation internationally. Down. Yeah, but you're arguing for no deal. And that's where you and I disagree.
3: Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's wrong, though. It's a difference of opinion. You're making out that you know best and that only you have got the answer. And unfortunately, people like you, and I'm going to use that phrase now, who are willing to uh, sell Britain out to the rest of Europe and get get a deal which nobody wants in this country, which has been defeated three times... You've not asked me what deal I want. You've just Well, well, you want Rory Stewart's deal, which is the same as Theresa May's deal. Uh, Isn't it? Then I'm,
4: I'm trying to explain that actually Theresa May's deal... Through the Brady Amendment was actually supported by a majority of people in Parliament. Where there was a difference of opinion was to do with how to deal with the backstop. So the fact it is was voted that legal- down
3: three times, Tobias, how was it supported? Because when the the, refer- the withdrawal agreement
4: was put through, but minus the the um, in the Brady Amendment minus the backstop, it passed. So ninety-five percent of the withdrawal agreement is accepted as the basis of how you do the, the, the arrangements of the divorce from the EU. Where there is difference of opinion, and you've just illustrated it now, is what our future relationship will be. You're content with no deal. I'm saying I'm not content with no right. deal. OK, well, now, let's move say, on from this, because... I'm not because... going to say you're wrong. Perhaps right. that was... I, 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 and I, I, forgive me if that's impression. That is your opinion, and I respect your opinion. You? I will argue to say, though, that from my perspective, from where I see, the stats I see, a no deal... Firstly, wouldn't actually honour the referendum result because it would be mission creep from... I don't remember anybody talking about that. And secondly, I think we can do better. All right, OK, well, let's move
3: on to that because that's the important part now because you believe Rory Stewart should be the next Prime Minister of this country. How is he going to present Theresa May's deal and whatever comes after it as any different from what she did because she lost it three times? How is he going to be any different? Well,
4: unfortunately, the the numbers went down. So we were minus about 40 or so... um, support to get the actual withdrawal agreement across. And as I say, that's just phase one. Phase two is the future relationship. So where Rory Stewart wants to actually go is to say, let's look at what it was in phase one that prevented us from getting it across the line. Unfortunately, many people just simply didn't want to support Theresa May because it was Theresa May's deal itself. It does require all of us. And I think there's been a bit of a wake up call in my party to say, if we do not honor the referendum uh, result, if this autumn, if we do not clear up uh, this issue to do with the, the, the Brexit, then our party will be out. The Brexit party will grow and we'll probably end up with Labour, with Corbyn, with nationalising our industries. Yeah. And that's where, where you're NATO, taking it. Getting rid of our nuclear deterrent, that
0: is what will actually happen. Yeah, but because so of your be-
3: inability to unite around leaving the European Union as a party, that's what you're going to deliver us. So the Tories will actually bring us Jeremy Corbyn, and I will never forgive you for that.
4: Well, all the more reason why what has happened during this leadership campaign and every single leadership contender came into committee room 14 and said two things. Firstly, we need to unite and look like a united party so we actually can earn the right to stay in number 10 because we look fragmented. We look disjointed. We do not look like we're in touch with the nation. And secondly, we have to resolve Brexit. So people need to stop uh, being so anchored to their pure version of Brexit. And there are many others who join with you to say no deal. But no deal will not get through Parliament. Parliament has already actually um, you know, put laws against it to say we can't do that. But it's that's because nonsense. Parliament's
3: full of people like you who don't want to leave the European Union.
4: How many times do I have to say it? I honour the referendum result? We should leave the you European Union. You don't really Union. want
3: to leave the EU, though, do you?
4: We need to leave the EU. There's no there's not question that. about it. You
3: don't believe it. I don't mind, Tobias, if you don't want to leave the European Union. I wish you'd just be honest about it instead of filibustering
4: the hell out of everything. You're now trying to take me down an avenue which I think is unhelpful. Every, every Democrat should recognise the result of the referendum. That's the world I'm in. Well, I'll, I'll, well I'll tell you the, the world Tobias. I'm
3: in, Tobias. The people outside of the Westminster bubble see what's going on inside the Houses of Parliament and see what you are all doing. And you are absolutely and utterly at the very least, postponing, filibustering, wasting time and trying against hope against hope that you will go on for long enough that the people will change their minds. That's what you do. I,
4: I, I, well, I, I I agree with part of that and I disagree with the very last bit. You're absolutely right that we've done a bad job at trying to Bad is Brexit. an understatement. Well, it, it, ultimately, if you go into any pub or indeed any family, you're going to find different views on Brexit and the same has been in Parliament. What we need to do is for people to recognize they will not get their pure form of what they want. Okay, some are calling for a second referendum. Some are calling for a Norway model. Some are calling for uh, Canada Plus. Some are calling, uh, you know, for no deal, as you advocate as well. Nobody is going to get their pure form. It has to be a compromise and a, recon- a recognition that unless we resolve this soon, not only will it damage the party, but it's actually damaging the country. Right. It's costing us. Well, let me, let me ask you one, of of f- one
3: final question, Tobias. Wouldn't it be more sensible for the Tory party to unite behind? Boris Johnson, even if you find that distasteful, because he is by far and away the best chance you've got of winning a general election and actually making Brexit happen, rather than a sort of joke figure on the sidelines who walks around as if he's somehow reinvented the wheel. So you
4: want a coronation, do you? You you just want, we tried that last time with Theresa May, okay? We need to road test uh, the the, the contenders, and we need to road test their policies. The best way to do that is to have a full campaign. And the person, whether you like him or not, who's electrified this campaign and taking it way beyond our own echo chamber, which you rightly mentioned, you know, the Westminster bubble, and indeed our own party, has been uh, Rory Stewart. I like the idea of this big beast, of Rory Stewart and and Boris Johnson, for everything he stands for. I work for him in the Foreign Office, actually going out there, putting the case forward as to why the Conservative Party needs to reform, re-engage, modernise, and move forward. That's what this whole exercise should be about. The idea that we simply just turn around and say... Over to you, Boris. Let's see it. Okay. Where has he been? Let me Where ask has you Boris this been then. In the last bit? Well, let me no, ask you bobble, this, if, 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 uh, if Boris. If Boris wins,
3: wins if he wins, which is more than likely to do, will you then rally behind him? Well, uh, if everybody is calling for unity,
4: of course we need to support the prime. Again, going back to democracy. yes is a very
3: easy word. You can just say yes.
4: I can say yes. I can do. But uh, I'm also allowed to explain the yes, if that's okay. Go on. Well, it, it, the answer is yes. Is so the short answer. The second is. That is the democratic process. That's the purpose of actually having a a system that takes us to two candidates and then we work out who the final one is. And then, quite rightly, if we don't unite for the very points that you make, then our party is on the demise and we will see Jeremy Corbyn in number 10. Mm. And that cannot be good for Britain.
3: It can't. That we can at last agree on. Tobias, thank you very much indeed. Tobias Elwood, Conservative MP for Bournemouth East, uh, who thinks Rory Stewart should be the next Prime Minister. Uh, that pretty much leaves me speechless, really. What do you make of it? 0344 499 1000. We'll take your calls next.
1: A mid morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham.
3: On talk radio. Teacher, leave kids alone. Coming up later on this afternoon, six o'clock to be precise, uh, we will find out exactly who uh, is going to still be left in the Tory leadership race. Ross Kepsal has joined us now, our political So Ross, very good morning to you. Good morning, you. Mike. Um, Rory um, Stewart, still very much the sort of coming man, if you like, the guy who everybody's talking about. Um, Boris Johnson, still very much far out in the lead. What are you hearing?
6: Roy Stewart presents himself as the change candidate as a disruptor it's true that he has taken at least four to five we think MPs who have publicly declared with him since the second round he's a hugely long way to go though because you need 33 MPs to Mm. make the cut today so if you don't get 33 MPs you are out regardless of how many MPs you get under that number so we could see more than one candidate eliminated from the race today forcefully that's on top of the question is whether any will drop out either before or after as soon as they realise that they haven't on the job or later tonight now there is a provision of course for a third ballot tomorrow why would you bother entering the third ballot and force the voting process into Thursday uh, on the fourth ballot if you knew that there is very little chance of you getting through there'll be huge pressure this evening after the BBC TV debate at 8 p.m uh, for those candidates to eliminate themselves if they have no realistic chance of going forward in order to get this process mm. done tomorrow rather than bringing it into Thursday
3: right and you you're right to say that he has kind of uh, presented himself slightly or slightly misrepresented himself in a way because he's producing um, a plan which would involve resubmitting Theresa May's original withdrawal agreement, right? And he's not actually calling for very much different at all
6: so Rory Stewart definitely has an insurgent or a uh, a disruptive campaign in the sense that he wasn't well known before outside of uh, conservative politics and he has damaged the campaigns I think particularly of Sajid Javid and Michael Gove uh, by being a figure who sort of more liberal-minded Tories can come towards Mm. and of course most most importantly of all damaged Jeremy Hunt who really has suffered because of Rory Stewart's campaign but when you look at Rory Stewart's record important to remember he has been a minister in Theresa May's government he was given a cabinet job because he was the one of the few MPs who would go out on broadcast and defend Theresa May's mm. deal, come what may, morning, yes. noon and night, whatever criticism was made of it, uh, when nobody else would, frankly, or very few other people would. Uh, he voted, it uh, uh, said that in the first round, Theresa May voted for him. That's uh, uh, been a rumour that has been going around and has been reported in Westminster. Again, so it looks as if he's Theresa May's chosen candidate, according to some. And Theresa May's deputy, David Liddington, publicly mm. supports him. And David Liddington... Uh, is known as Theresa May's brain if you like inside government Uh, he he and Theresa May are very very close indeed so I I would imagine that there is this sense on the Tory backbenches picking up pace that Rory Stewart is the Mayturian candidate if you like Mm. he's the candidate who is standing in place of Theresa May (laughs) in this competition now of course he is going to deny that he's going to say that he's all about change Uh, but it's totally clear that uh, the deal would be resubmitted under Rory Stewart Boris Johnson swearing on the other hand that he will change it uh, whether that's possible or not who knows and
3: so outside of Rory Stewart who would you say is the most uh, likely candidate to get the most votes is it Gove then because as you say Jeremy Hunt seems to have kind of shot himself in the foot and then kind of compounded it by um, uh, agreeing with Donald Trump about Sadiq Khan which was not his greatest move I don't think Um, and the others have all just kind of disappeared into the into the oblivion Dominic Raab I think it was too early for him wasn't it
6: So on first round numbers, we would expect Michael Gove to go through today, although his campaign has really been harmed. And Tory MPs have been telling me all week that they thought he did pretty badly in that TV debate on Sunday evening. So if if Michael Gove hemorrhages some votes, it's not entirely impossible that he'll go out, uh, although I'd expect him to go through. I would expect Jeremy Hunt to make the cut as well Uh, so I would expect you to have Boris Johnson, Jeremy Hunt and Michael Gove at the moment going through on the numbers that we've seen but let's say this is all speculative uh, as a proviso. Sajid Javid on the other hand fallen well behind Uh, if he's benefited from Michael Gove and Matt Hancock's supporters plausible that he stays in but a lot of ground to make up likewise with Roy Stewart more ground to make up than people uh, uh, seem to be suggesting although there is this suggestion now that he's going to have been lent enough votes that he'll squeak through over the 33 Mark um, that's key for Rory Stewart because that gets him in the BBC TV debate tonight. I was going to
3: say yeah, tonight could be interesting I mean, a lot of people saying if it's Rory Stewart versus Boris Johnson and maybe one other Um, will Boris Johnson pull out because he might not wish to be subjected to a kind of grilling by Rory Stewart hypocritical or otherwise
6: Yeah, I think it's too late to pull out now so it will will look uh, tactically bad for Boris Johnson to pull out at this stage especially considering he didn't do the previous TV debate so I think he's probably crossed that bridge Uh, nothing's impossible the the key point to remember is if you don't make it through the second round today so if you don't get 33 votes then you're not in the TV debate tonight the BBC TV debate so Mm. if Rory Stewart does make it through and if he squeaks over the line it's a great victory for him regardless of what happens he'll almost certainly be knocked out on wednesday but it means he has his moment in the spotlight mm. on national television criticizing boris johnson which is what he really wants to do politically
3: and what does that mean for his long-term ambitions within the party within the cabinet and all the rest of
6: it so he's clearly pitching himself i think not as a new leader at this stage but definitely as a leader on the back benches of opposition mm. to a government under boris johnson so that's the most likely role for him to play he'll He'll become a lightning rod figure for uh, supporters on the backbenches. He has 10 or 11 now who are publicly declared uh, who are along the same lines as him on, on, on Brexit. And he will become a mouthpiece essentially and a leader on the backbenches against Boris Johnson's policy. Mm-hmm. So he's the kind of person you're going to expect seeing standing up in the end of October when Boris Johnson's going to the House of Commons and either saying we're pushing ahead with no deal or we've got these changes. Rory Stewart will be the figure who will stand up and who will publicly criticise the new Prime Minister strongly from the back benches it's a kind of dominant grieve type mm. role I think he's going to inherit that role uh, and he will be he will be a figure who, who those kind of individuals coalesce around in the Conservative Party Okay,
3: Ross thanks very much indeed voting starts this afternoon the result comes at six o'clock we'll bring you that live as it happens of course right here uh, on Talk Radio more blasted
2: rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't
1: going nearly far <laughs> enough the independent Republic of Mike Graham
2: on Talk Radio, Talk Radio. I'll never see
3: This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000 is the number uh, to get your voice heard because we are, in many ways, uh, the voice of the people here at Talk Radio. Steve says, What a great caller Daniel was. The same values as me and millions of others. When my wife had her son, she has not worked a day since, but I was doing 80 hours a week. What did the Tories give us? Nothing. What did they take away? Child benefit because I earned too much. Well, the Tories have turned into a very odd party over the last sort of 10, 20 years. I mean, George Osborne is still uh, managing to reach his kind of, you know, a cold, dead hand into the wallets of various people who are supposedly Tory voters of middle class, uh, who are having to pay a lot more tax now than they used to, uh, because George Osborne apparently, uh, as a Tory chancellor, thought it was a good idea to tax people more the more money they made. It's not very Tory of him, is it? Let's talk to Mark Fennels, QC, uh, criminal barrister at 23 Essex Street Chambers, former chair of the Criminal Bar Association. An interesting story today uh, has crossed our desk in which it says uh, that around about 112,000 offenders per year are avoiding a criminal record for offences including possessions of weapons, cruelty to children and theft um, because they're saying sorry and they're being let off. What is going on, Mark? A very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, I've, I, we've we've had uh, the National Police Chiefs Council in touch with us, but funnily enough, because one of the highlighted areas in this report is sex offenders. But apparently, um, you know, things that are categorised as rape and child sex offences, many of them are involved in uh, sort of teenagers, if you like. So a 14-year-old sleeping with another 14-year-old. So so I can sort of understand why that might not be prosecuted in quite the same way as it would be if it was a genuine, you know, sort of 30-year-old having sex with a 14-year-old. But the rest of it um, seems as though there's a reluctance to prosecute, doesn't it?
0: Well, there's a wider story here, Mike, and if I, if I can just explain. Yeah. Back in 2011-12, the Crown Prosecution Service was prosecuting about 900,000 cases a year right. across the country. Uh, in this year, they're down to closer to 500,000,
3: okay.
0: which is a huge drop. That is a, those, it's
3: almost 50%, isn't it?
0: Exactly, and th- th- that's from their own figures. Uh, there is nobody who thinks that crime's gone down in that time. And crime is a blight on all our communities across the country in every kind of way and shape and form. And the police in the same period have had about 20% of their budgets cut. Mm. The consequence of all of this is that they've got a different set of priorities and they've been trying where they can to divert people out of the criminal justice system. They've been trying to avoid prosecutions where they think it's sensible. And I'm not saying they're right or they're wrong, but I'm just trying to describe what. But it is out. an actual policy, in other words. Uh, I think so. Yeah. And, and so what happens is that Wherever they think um, they can sensibly keep somebody out of the justice system, they do. They're trying to juggle our priorities. They're trying to deal with knife crime. They're trying to deal with the most serious sex offenders and terrorism when it happens, all Mm. those kinds of really serious things. And it's all because the justice budget is not protected. Uh, While everything else is protected, justice is not. And, And so the cuts have been really severe over the
3: last decade. And so does it well, mean as well that, um, you know, this is, this is a sort of a, it's a, it's a shortcut, if you like, um, and it may well be, as you say, we, it's hard for us to say whether it's right or wrong, it may well be sensible not to doubt and sort of overload the justice system, but, well, but, but it doesn't sound right somehow.
0: Well, Mike, I think that the key to doing it, doing it is that these community resolu- resolution orders are a good thing if they're used properly, but there are, there's a big if in that, isn't there? The, f- the first thing is we all think that if you've got a kid who's 12 or 13 or 14 and they've done something stupid and they're not going to do it again, if we can keep them out of the justice system and stop them being criminalized, that's probably a good thing. Right. Let's say if there's a fight in a family and some 20-year-old hits you know, a cousin or something, right. it's the first time he's done it, and nobody wants to complain and nobody wants him to have a criminal record. If it's a one-off, that's fine. Maybe it's the right thing to keep them out of the justice system. But I think what needs to be done is to make sure that this is only ever done where the victim consents. So the person who has been the subject of this assault says, I actually think this is a good idea. And I think we've also got to try and find a way to make sure that police forces are as consistent as possible. Because a lot of the reports around the country over the last 24 hours suggest that different police forces use these at very different rates. And as soon as you get inconsistency, people don't think that's fair.
3: Yes, I think that's right. And also, looking at some of these figures, it's not always the case perhaps, that these are, you know, one-off incidents or or opportunities perhaps to stop someone from going into the criminal justice system. Because, for example, 3,555 burglaries, 309 aggravated vehicle theft, 1,720 cruelty to children, 151,000 theft offences. You know, generally, I would would make a wide-sweeping statement here and say people involved in burglaries and aggravated vehicle theft are probably recidivist criminals.
0: I completely agree with you. And the public needs to start asking its politicians and police officers why we are not doing enough to make sure those kinds of cases are investigated and prosecuted. Uh, And that's something where we've all got to put pressure on our politicians and say, and our police forces and say, why can't you do it? The police will probably say, because we've been cut so much over the last few years and I have to put all my resources into, for example, knife crime or, or whatever it is. But that's a big question for all of us. I think that... The other thing, if, I'm, if I can just say this, yeah. is that if you do keep people out of the system with one of these, we need to make sure that the information is properly recorded by the police so that they know if that person comes back, they can say, you've had your chance, you're not getting another one.
3: Mm. That's right. And so, I mean, how much of this is about money as well? Because presumably, um, as you say, the resources are limited, but not just in the police service, but what about in the judiciary as well? Because we're hearing all the time that criminal barristers are not getting paid what they should. Many people who are working for legal aid are, are getting very badly paid indeed. Is, it something, is, is that part of it as well?
0: It's all part of it. It's all part of the fact the justice budget has been cut by so much since the crash of 2008 And while other parts of the country's budgets are protected, the justice is not. Now, Maybe I've got a, a skin in the game here, an axe to grind. But I think if you're talking about a civilized country, the th- things that ought to be protected are the health system for your family, the education system to give your kids a chance, and the justice system so that you can look after your own rights in your own position. Yeah. If somebody takes something from you or you've got a dispute with your neighbor or whatever else it is, you should have fair access to justice, which gives you a chance to make sure that you know nobody's going to... Um, put uh, ruin your life no exactly Uh, and it's looking after the justice system and understanding how important it is that something we've got to reverse after the cuts of the last decade
3: right and is there any evidence that they can show us or is it too soon that their policy is working if you like like for, for example if they are um you know dismissing a few of these claims and a few of these charges that actually that person then becomes a sort of reasonable citizen
0: I don't know about that. You'd have to ask the police. I think a lot of us have got a general concern that the police are just trying to cope and they don't actually ask the right questions about their own information and their own data.
5: Right.
0: So can I give you one other example? Sure. A few years ago, um, the bail rules were changed so that people couldn't be left on bail endlessly during investigations. Uh, and now the police use something called r- remain under investigation instead. Right. And nobody knows how many people are out there just languishing, being investigated, quote-unquote, and nothing ever happening with their cases at the end of the day.
3: Well, I know from my own personal experience of people that were uh, bailed newspaper people who had been arrested and charged with, uh, or not actually charged at all with anything, but investigated over the, you know, the sort of the the blagging and the phone hacking stuff and all that. Many of them were never charged, but they were on bail for sort of over a year, some of them.
0: Well, there are lots of fraud cases out there, frauds involving tens of millions of pounds where investigations have now been running for four or five years and they just get adjourned and adjourned and right. adjourned and adjourned. And they're not brought to an end because there's just so little money in the police systems and the Crown Prosecution Service too, which desperately needs more funding,
5: Yeah,
0: uh, to actually bring these cases and prosecute the people who should be prosecuted. It's taken us a bit away from your original question. <laughs> these, well, CROs these things are, are never
3: straightforward, are they? No, everything's connected.
0: These, mm. these CROs are a good thing if they're one-offs for kids who are not coming back into the system. And we can actually use it as a way of saying, look, we don't want to be bothered with you. But as you rightly said earlier, if they're burglars who've done it before and are going to do it again, or they're, you know the older bloke and the younger girl or whatever else, they should never be used.
3: They'll, yeah, they'll just they'll, they'll just take it as, as, as read that they can get away with it. That's the problem. Mark, thank you very much indeed. Mark Fennels, QC, uh, criminal barrister at 23 Essex Street Chambers, former chair of the Criminal Bar Association. The problem here uh, is that criminals will look for any any, uh, excuse to get off what it is that they've been found uh, guilty of doing, something that they could be charged with, something that they could end up uh, going to prison for. And by just kind of saying, just say you're sorry, we'll let you off. I think they're going to take advantage of that massively, aren't they?
1: A mid-morning dance with the devil. The independent republic of Mike Graham on talk radio. <laughs>
3: A couple of you have been asking if we're going to put that Tobias Elwood uh, interview out on Twitter. One part of it has gone out. I'll try and get the whole thing put up on YouTube, which is what we can do sometimes. Uh, and uh, the bits out there at the moment says uh, how Rory Stewart is electrifying the campaign. Uh, and Shayna says, oh, Tobias, electrified is not the right word. If you want to see the Tory party go from crumbling to dust, then Rory is the man. Boris really is the only one who could possibly mend the party now, and he has until the end of October To do it, we're going to come back to the phones in a moment. Let's just have another listen uh, to what Tobias Orwood had to say uh, would happen, as he believes it, in the case of a no-deal Brexit.
4: When it comes to military uh, policing or indeed intelligence, when it comes to oil and gas, we lead the world. We are European or global leaders. But that will suffer if we go to no-deal. How will it suffer if we're still in
3: NATO, for example? How is that going to be a
4: problem? Because we lose the threat picture. We're part of 40 organisations or initiatives across Europe, that allow us to understand the movement of danger. As soon as we go to no deal, we automatically, automatically... That's rubbish. Sight that of is that. nonsense.
3: Every single military person I speak to says that that is completely the opposite case. I'm telling you
4: that it is, and I work in the Ministry of Defence. That is the case, that how it works. Really? That is what will actually happen. Why don't you tell okay. me,
3: Tobias, instead of the arguing the about the same, This is why your party is going down the toilet, to Tobias. Away. This is why right. your party is not being voted for, because all you do is talk in, in in circles and ever decreasing circles about what a terrible thing it will be if we leave the European Union. The people no, voted no, no, to leave. Wrong. So wrong, just get wrong, on with wrong, it. Wrong, wrong. He thinks I'm wrong. I think he's wrong. Uh, and what should we do now? Let's talk to Rudy in Exeter. Hi, Rudy.
7: Hi,
3: Mike, how you doing very well, sir. What do you want to say?
7: Well, I don't know what funny stuff he's been smoking,
5: <laughs> but
7: <laughs> Right, but at the end of the day, if he pushes through May's deal, his party is over. He doesn't get it. He, he, May's deal is not leaving the European Union. You know, it's, it, it's, I just don't know what the, what planet these people are all on. Right. I really, really don't. It really frustrates me, you know. Mm. And, and he belittles the people that want to leave the, the EU. And what makes me laugh, all, the only people pushing Rory Stewart, and correct me if I'm wrong, are people that voted Remain. That's
3: right and people who don't want to leave. But I wish they'd just admit that and go and join the Lib Dems and let's get on with it.
7: Exactly. But, but why don't they just do that, you know? And the thing is this, right, like I said, right, to these other people, right, you know, all these people that uh, won't have a by-election, people like, you know, Chuck Oh, yeah. If he, sh- it, he says that, Oh, you know, people voted for me, not the party. Well, if that's the case, have yeah. a by-election and let them vote for you again.
3: And somebody showed me the results of that election the last time they had one down there in 2015, I think it was. Uh, 24,000 Labour, 4,000 Lib Dem. I don't think he wants an election any time soon.
7: I don't think he wants an election any time soon, and I don't think any of them do. And I, all I know is the writing is on the wall for the Tory Party. Yeah. If we do not leave on the 31st of October without a deal,
3: yes. I couldn't agree more. You're quite right, Rudy. Thank you. Stephen is in Maidstone. Hi, Stephen.
8: Hello, Mike. How, How are you doing? Here?
3: I'm very well. You want to talk about the justice system, I think.
8: Yeah, I do. Um, I was listening to your lawyer sometime earlier. Oh, yes. Uh, and I, I couldn't sort of, um, well, couldn't come to terms with the fact that there's probably a generation between us. Um, I joined the police force in 1966, and um, in those days, um, the main uh, or, or my mentors had finished their service in the war. They were all big guys, came out, joined the police um, and were advancing towards their pensions. Right. Um, now, I joined the section. I was six foot tall. I was the smallest man on the section. Um, and I joined a police force. I didn't join a police service. Right. Um, when uh, offenders were arrested uh, in those days, um, they had no choice, really. Every offender that came into the police station was either bailed with no further action or charged with an offence right. if, if the uh, evidence was there. There was no caution. A caution didn't exist.
3: Do you think it's more difficult now for some reason because of all the paperwork that they have to go through and that's partly why they don't want to bother?
8: Well, can I tell you, Mike, that when I, I joined the CID and, and um, we had to do our own paperwork, our paperwork was submitted to an office manager. The, the paperwork was retained when we went to court. The prosecutor was a superintendent of police. It wasn't a CPS. Um, we appeared in court against the offender. Um, with the uh, prosecuting officer um, as um, uh, the prosecutor, um, the normally, under normal circumstances, a person would probably have three or four previous convictions right. before he, he ever went anywhere near a prison. But the point I want to make is there was no suspended sentence either. Sure. So, so you've got the, the situation where no caution, no suspended sentence... And the offender had a chance, after three or four convictions, of going down. Right. Um, uh, And that was it. And they knew it, you
3: know? And it Uh, seemed like everybody knew where they stood as well then. I don't want to be one of those people who just says, oh, it was greater in the good old days and all that. But it certainly was much more straightforward. You know, you guys knew what you were doing. The police now, it seems to me, are not really trusted to do what they want to do. Uh, And instead, they have to kind of spend a lot of time fulfilling targets, you know?
8: Yeah, well, well, let me tell you, I worked in a naval town, probably most pubs of anywhere in the country, and the pubs used to turn out at 11 o'clock at night. Um, This was before Tony Blair decided that everybody could drink all night. Yes. So at least you had an opportunity of half your officers going home after 1 o'clock in the morning and having a full complement of men for the day when things were happening. Um, But, of course, this uh, drinking thing started, and... uh, and, of course, now, yeah, they split the force so that half of them were up all the night because um, people were coming out of nightclubs. Yeah. You know, things like that. Um, Doesn't make know. it
3: any easier to be a police officer. Listen, great call, Stephen. Thank you very much indeed in Maidstone. Let's go to Bill, uh, who's in Faversham, wants to talk uh, about MPs and politicians. Bill, very good afternoon to you. Hi there, Mike.
9: How are uh, you, d- you doing? I'm fine, thank you. Um, uh, This Brexit thing's running and running, and I was trying to sort of reduce it down to what's really going on here. Yeah. And I think what's going on is that people don't take things on the chin anymore. Something goes against you, whether it's in sport or politics, and instead of regrouping or trying to find what you can do better or accepting it, you say, let's go after the people that won that vote or this thing, and let's drag them down and try and make it. Let's have a re-vote until we get what we want. And I just think it's it's quite sad, actually, because they say economically we're not going to do as well. They don't know that. This has never happened before. We might do really, really well. Just accept the vote that's been had and get on with it like people used to do.
3: Yes, well, exactly right. And also, be honest about what you believe. I really am sick to death of hearing all these politicians saying that they voted to remain, or at least not even saying that they voted to remain, but now they're going to support the result of the referendum because everybody knows that that's not what they're doing. They're still trying to stop it from happening.
9: Absolutely. And the trouble is, is what was missing is authenticity. If a politician of any persuasion had come along who was authentic, they would actually win everybody's vote, because it's like, they're so phony, it's like, how high do you want me to jump? What yeah. do you want me to say so I can get power? Perfect right.
3: it. I know, it really is, Bill, you're quite right. Gareth is in Manchester. Hi, Gareth.
10: Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm yeah, fine, thanks. Yeah, I just want to say, um, all this talk about rehashing the deal, it's just it's ridiculous. I, I, why don't we just shred it, start again with the deal that we write, not Brussels, Yeah. and we, we turn to him and say, well, that's what we want, uh, you've got until the end of August to give us an answer, right. and if you don't give us an answer, then we prefer for no deal and life moves on. Yeah, you know, I think so. Up.
3: Because I mean, we can legitimately say to, to Brussels, "Look, the deal that you've given us previously is not workable. Nobody likes it. It's not going to get through Parliament. So we're going to have to start again."
10: Yeah, start completely again with it. You know, because we're a fair country, we'll be fair with Brussels. I don't think we'd we'd come up with a deal that was you know ridiculously, you know, mess mess things things up for them. We'd meet them in the middle. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what they are going to do? Say, no, surely they're going to want a deal because otherwise we walk away and they don't get a penny. Exactly. I mean, they're quite happy for the, the cancer to be kicked down the road longer and longer because, all the while, we're, I assume we're paying contributions.
3: Yes, indeed. Although I think what might change their minds as well, though, is the election of all of those Brexit Party MPs um, who are going to be sitting there like a massive thorn in the side of, of the whole project, uh, moaning well, and fair. groaning every single minute of the day and if telling them make, how useless they are.
10: Yeah, if they don't make a deal with, uh, let's say, Boris Johnson... Uh, they could end up having to make a deal one day with Farage. Yeah, uh, They don't really don't want that, I imagine.
3: No, I wouldn't thought so. They they want to get rid of Farage as quickly as possible, but he's come back. So, they, they, you know, he's like the proverbial bad penny as far as Brussels is concerned. And I think they would be much happier talking to somebody like Boris Johnson, who might come to them um, with a kind of slightly chippy attitude. I think Theresa May was too friendly, to be honest.
10: Yeah, of course, she went there. Uh, and basically, she went there and said, uh, don't worry, I'll keep us in that's my opinion anyway yeah. you
3: know no listen gareth you're absolutely right and i think the, the the very point that you're making is a good one because the bottom line for me about all of the stuff that has gone up to now is that you know i've had tweets uh, all day today some of which i can't just read out because there's so many of them but at the bottom line is Theresa May never had her heart in leaving the European Union. She never had her heart in negotiating to leave the European Union. She was never convinced that she would have to do it. She was hopeful that basically she would find herself in this kind of stalemate. She never thought she'd lose her job, obviously. However, the bottom line for me uh, is that Boris Johnson if and when he becomes the Prime Minister and we'll find out whether he takes another step towards that around about six o'clock tonight when the result of the second ballot comes out, what we will know, right, is that Boris Johnson will approach Brussels with a very different agenda, with a very different attitude and with a very much more of a can-do, uh, no-deal situation. And if he believes that he can get what he wants out of Brussels, then let him do it. And if he then has to fight the Parliament here on it, let him do that as well. But at least you'll know that his heart is in it. At least you'll know that he's doing what he wants to do rather than being forced to do something he doesn't want to do, which is what Theresa May and what Rory Stewart and what Jeremy Hunt would be doing, because they're all Remainers and they don't want to leave the
2: European
1: Union. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the Great Dictator. The Independent
2: Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.
3: This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 0344 499 1000 is a number to talk to. The most balanced show on the radio and also the place where you hear common sense and you get to speak common sense as well. David has tweeted me Tobias Elwood's voting history uh, in which it says that he did vote to remain in the European Union uh, even though his constituency voted 53.69% to leave. Uh, he also voted, of course, for uh, Theresa May's EU withdrawal agreement uh, and uh, in indicative voting, voted for a co customs union so when I said to him do you wish to stay in the European Union while they control all trade and all tariffs which we have no control over he said that's not what he wanted well that's what he voted for 0344 1000 let's talk about cheese because uh, David Hartley is the managing director of Wensleydale Creamery now if you ever wanted to talk to anybody on the radio this would be the guy David a very good morning to you
2: Good morning to you, Wensleydale
3: Creamery just has such a beautiful sound to it. I don't even I don't even care what it looks like. It
2: sounds like a great place. Well, it is. It's in a beautiful part of the world. We're here up in the heart of Wensleydale in, uh, in the Yorkshire Dales. God's Own Country, some people Dales. call that, don't they? Ab- absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful stunning location. Yeah. Yes.
3: Now, of course, people will say, well, you know, when you say Wensleydale, the first thing you think of is Wallace and Gromit. Uh, but I actually happen to really, really like Wensleydale cheese and have liked it even before Wallace and Gromit were around um but an amazing story has emerged where people could actually power their homes as a result of your cheesemaking.
2: Indeed, yeah, we've we've just uh, announced a partnership with uh, with a company called Iona Capital Partnership. Right. Uh who're about 30 miles away who've invested uh, a serious sum of money in an anaerobic digestion plant to produce uh biomethane uh, which is effectively gas which goes straight into the gas main and and Many, many mm. homes in the area. Right. And uh, the deal that we've done with them is to supply uh, a sort of a sugar rich permeate, which is a byproduct of our cheese making process, uh, to them uh, to the order of about 15,000 tonnes a year. Wow. Uh, and so we've invested about uh, a million pounds here in putting plant and equipment into extract this product from from the whey, which essentially is the key byproduct of cheesemaking. Yes. And that's going to be the feedstock for this uh, new plant down down the road from here in, in Wendell. Yeah.
3: And when you talk about sustainable um, sort of products and energy, I mean, this is pure, surely, purely and simply the most straightforward sustainable energy there can be.
2: Well, I, I agree, and, and we are so proud of, of what's been achieved here because, you know, we buy milk from 45 local farmers who are within a, pretty tight radius mm. of the creamery we make it into cheese as i said the byproduct is way that's then getting fermented and producing green energy which is so perfect really for for what we need it, it works for the for the biogas plant uh because they've got a constant supply you know we take milk off, off farms 365 days a year we make cheese every, nearly every day of every week uh, of every year So the whole sustainability is is perpetuated, which is fantastic. The other great news is that the final product that we have from this process is literally pure water. So Mm. we start with milk, which is about 85% water, and then we finish up with cheese, whey protein, which is very on topic at the moment, whey permeate, which goes to the anaerobic digestion plant, and then pure water at the end of that. So we're really utilising every part of that raw milk that comes off off the farm and we're doing it in a really green and sustainable way
3: absolutely and what would have happened to the whey before you'd worked out that you could do this with it would it have just gone to sort of waste
2: it probably never went to waste, but essentially what used to happen, we used to produce what they call thin whey, which is very, very low solids. Okay. A very watery solution, which would have gone to local pig farms around the country. Right. And now, you know, over the years, technology's improved a lot, so we have these very sophisticated filtration systems that, that literally filter out all the best parts of it, whether it's the protein, whether it's the sugar, to get down to water. So you're splitting out all these different fractions which really would just have gone as a single byproduct many years ago. Sure. So,
3: and as a consumer, could you then take delivery of this biogas as if it was natural gas? Say, for example, and you cancel your gas uh, subscription or whatever. Um, what sort of cost are we talking about to a consumer? Is it the same kind of pr- you, same kind of price?
2: Well, uh, yes. I mean, what's actually happening from from leaming uh, biogas? Uh, project down there is it, it is going straight into the gas main so they are supplementing oh okay so it can come normal. the same it can use oh, the same is. delivery system it's going straight into the main gas main oh, down right. there in in leaming bar which is near north allerton so it's going straight into the gas main as mains gas so it is no different it's no alternative the consumer wouldn't be aware of any change at all uh and you know the, uh, the, the plant down there is supplying something like the equivalent of 4,000 homes in the North Yorkshire area. Blimey. That's brilliant. Product which is just essentially everyday gas that people burn in the central heating yeah. and hot water systems.
3: Tremendous. And I mean, presumably, any kind of cheese product could produce this, could it?
2: Indeed, yeah. You know, Doesn't anything, have to be Wednesday, Dale. It doesn't have to be Wensdale. <laughs> no. I'm sure we're going to produce a better a better quality cow. from Yorkshire Wensdale. Yes. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, any cheese making process that that is producing whey, which, which is rich in this lactose solution, the the sugar the fraction of the, of the milk uh, is perfect for an anaerobic digestion plant, uh, and so, therefore. I'm sure it is a scheme that, that will roll out uh, across the country.
3: I've seen the future. I think this is brilliant. I mean, I, you see, these are the kinds of kind of innovations that I think if, if we put our minds to it, we can find, can't we? You know, we don't need to do away with cars. We don't need to, you know, if we're heading for this, you know, uh, aim for uh, you know zero emissions by 2050. I mean, these are the kinds of ideas which are, which are really long-lasting and brilliant.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's everything about it. it's sustainability. I mean, we, we live and operate and, and work and draw milk from the Orchard Hills National Park, which is a phenomenally beautiful part of the world. And, yeah. You know, we're all concerned about the environment. Uh, and this is just one example of how you actually think about a, a situation, come up with a solution that actually delivers benefits for, for all of the the people in this supply chain, from farmers right through to, consumers who are heating the house so it's 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 a great thing to be a part of really we're we're delighted
3: well listen congratulations david it really is brilliant you should get some kind of award i think managing director of wensleydale creamery david harley what a great idea this is what we're all about in this country we can have great ideas and we can turn them into brilliant solutions to all sorts of things in this case producing energy producing gas which is like natural gas but it's made from cheese